0: I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Gubby Gubby people of Southeast Queensland. I honor their continuing connection to land, sea, and sky, as well as their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex, and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. This is episode number 149. And on today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Traver Bohm. Traver is the author of the books Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. He's a two-time TEDx speaker, men's coach, and the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement. He's helped men all over the world to become uncivilized as they wake up to the power of their hearts, the brilliance of their bodies, and the wisdom of their souls so they can blaze their own path by uniquely blending both the primal and the divine within them. He is dedicated to doing his part to help end the suffering in men and the suffering caused by men by guiding them through their own journey into an actualized version of masculinity. You can find Traver on his website, which is manuncivilized.com, or on Instagram, Traver Boehm, that's T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. And on this episode, the two of us talk about Traver's approach to men's work and his ideas about masculinity, which as mentioned before, he breaks down into two categories primal and divine. And we also speak about the mainstream narratives surrounding what it means to quote-unquote be a man and how we can explore and interrogate these narratives to see if they serve us. So it's a fantastic conversation. Lots of uh, practical advice from Traver in here as well. We kind of uh, unpack some ideologies around men's work and, and the way that we observe it. Really lovely conversation. It was great to connect with Traver and I hope you enjoyed listening. personal habits of body care or hygiene can have a lot to do with popularity and social success. Let me show you.
1: So the next time that somebody wants you to go to bed with them, with or without a condom, then just picture that you're actually going to bed, it's not just you and him, or you and her, it's that you're packing along a loaded revolver with you when you go. Boy, if you hung around with the guys I know, you, you wouldn't be able to stand it. They just talk about sex all the
0: time. Trevor, you and I can jump in. And the way that I like to begin, mate, is with a little invitation. Invitation is for you to share who are you, what do you do, and most importantly, what are you really passionate about? Mm, beautiful.
1: My name is Trevor
0: Bohm. Uh, what I do is a loaded question, Cam.
1: If you had asked me that three, four years ago, I'd say I'm a writer. And three, four years ago, I wrote two books, one on how do you use the pain of Heartbreak and divorce to shift your life. And that book, like, quietly sat on Amazon and didn't really do much. And then I wrote a book for men called Man Uncivilized. And that book blew my life up to where now I run an international 14 person company, putting on men's events, putting on men's workshops, running a men's community, teaching, speaking, leading looking at fucking spreadsheets, like all these things that I didn't think I would be doing. Uh, And so I'm a writer at heart, but my day-to-day is really running a business and working with men who are struggling, who are not struggling, but want to live a different way. Like I fully immersed myself in the male animal and everything about us. And so that's really what I do. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I get to talk to fascinating people, but I love... I, you know, this is such an odd thing to say if I think of my life eight, nine years ago. I love talking to men. I just fucking love us. So many guys have fascinating stories or are walking around Or I'm like, dude, you are a walking movie. And it's like, well, it's no big deal. I just survived this, 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 and this. Uh, or just getting to hear the heartbreak, getting to hear the the potential. They're like, I really want to change. I want to learn. I want to feel and so what's inspiring me, I've had the movement now of the uncivilized for about five years. And this past year, I got really busy building meetings, meeting like more meetings than I knew what to do with. And I could feel something like percolating up and I didn't have time for it. I didn't have space for it. I had like, you know, 16 hour days. And I just spent a month out of the country with a lot of space and that the thing coming up about, the next evolution of what men are going to do. And then perhaps I got a tiny glimpse of the evolution beyond that, but I'm not quite ready for it. Uh, So I'm just really excited to to help men to change this, the space that we're in, the world that we're in, the opportunities that we have, the options that men see. And then all of the ripple effects from that uh, are also really fascinating to me. And I'll say, because I opened by telling you I wrote two books That what's also fascinating, Cam, is the little the one that sat on Amazon called Today I Rise, is now outselling Man Uncivilized three to one, and I don't do I have like a fucking team, marketing Man Uncivilized like we spend money we run ads and this thing this little quiet like little baby brother just hit its stride. Uh, So I'm also really excited to help men specifically navigate heartbreak navigate the the pain of separation and actually beyond that uh create a different paradigm of relationship which is one of the things that was trying to come up last year or come through me was hey this thing's not working and we men are the canary in the coal mine it feels like of relationship but no one's giving us an option of how we change that we're being asked to change ourselves in relationship and a number of men need to right they need to but also, what I've become curious about, and I'm really looking forward to exploring this year, is what about relationship needs to change to fit men into it? So I know that's a long-winded answer to a short question, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about all kinds of shit, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate I
0: appreciate the the depth of that uh, that Thank passion you. and that inspiration. Uh, and I'm you know I, we we just kind of joked just before jumping on that I had a question that I wanted to ask you, and it was around demographics, right? And so I, I guess I'm curious. I'll relate this question back in. Is um that man uncivilized book? who did you write that for? Like which kind of target group of men were you looking to reach with that that writing?
1: I was forty three, I think forty four when I started writing it. So I wrote it for me and my demographic. and guys who were, you know, had already been through their first divorce or were going to face it. Yeah, probably that 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 zone. Like it it takes some life experience I think to realize, you know, I wrote it for the guy who and I'll say if I wrote it for me, who had the house, who had the wife, who had the job, who had the success, who had the money, who had all of the quote things and then went, "Holy shit, I'm miserable." Or "Holy shit, I just burnt that whole thing down supposedly by accident." But what's come out of the ashes of that is I didn't want any of it in the first place. And so that was really the the demographic I wrote it for, but I also had an eye on holy shit, guys 10 15 years younger than us grew up in the quote toxic masculinity area era. Right? Like I was 35 36 37 hearing about this and was like, "Oh, this is this is a lot of bullshit. This is the pendulum swinging too far. Like we've thrown the the masculine baby out with the toxic bathwater. That's what we've done. But I wasn't 12, 13, 14, 15 being told being a man is bad, or everything I do is toxic. Or if I want to lead, it's toxic. If I have sexual desires, they're toxic. Man, bad. And so now the here we are, you know, five, six years later. And that demographic is in their 20s, late teens, early 20s, mid-20s. And they're going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We got sold a bill of goods that was completely off track. And we don't have the models and the mentors ahead of us that we can look to to say, hey, you guys, you're in your late 30s, early 40s. You've been initiated. You're doing the work. You're who I want to be. Please guide me. And I think that demographic's actually waking up to the fact that they were, they were cheated and they were lied to. And, and it's heartbreaking. You know, I had dinner the other night with a guy. Who was twenty eight and just was peppering him cam? I was like, "Dude, tell me about your demographic. Tell me about their their relationship to relationship, their relationship to sex, their relationship to money, their relationship to masculinity. And so much of what he told me broke my heart. I was like, oh, man, you you don't get it. Y- your formative years did have the internet. Your formative years did have internet porn. Your formative years did have toxic masculinity smeared all over it. Your formative years have been like the the early imprinting as as absent of, hey, this is what it's like to be out in the woods. This is what it's like to do some really hard shit. This is what it's like to get punched in the nose, wipe your face off and be like, you know what? You're right. I was being a dick. Hug the dude and then realize you're probably going to be best friends forever with a cool story. This is the generation that was told, you know, asking a girl out is toxic. So they don't get the, the, the nervous butterflies and the things that we did of like, Oh shit. I used to have to call for, for you young guys, listen to this. I would have to call and get a a woman's dad and be like, hello, Mr. Johnson. This is Traver. is Susan here. Uh, what do I want with her? And you know, have my heart beating out of my chest and feel like I'm going to throw up. And then get, get Susan and be like, well, uh, I'm not texting you. I don't, I don't have your Snapchat. Like this, this is the old school way. So I feel like I'm rambling, but I think the young guys are waking up to what's missing and they're seeing the shift in some of the older, like men's work has really started to take off. It's a thing now. It's not this quiet, hidden taboo idea that it was eight, 10 years ago. It's not alternative. It's actually becoming more mainstream. And so that's why I think younger guys are approaching it more now.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my follow up question. It's like, why do you think there's this been this shift? And, and you no, know, I'm 29, so I'm not oh, really? too far okay, okay. reserved from this 28 year old guy that you've been yeah. uh, speaking to over dinner. And, um, you know, and and I don't want to push back too hard against you too early in the in the conversation. Sure. But go um, for you know my um, so my I've shared this before on the podcast. My interpretation of like toxic masculinity is not that masculinity is toxic. It's that there are versions of masculinity, just like there are healthy versions of masculinity. There are toxic versions of it, just like there are healthy versions of femininity. There are toxic versions of femininity um it's kind of like and the analogy that i always use is like ice cream like if we talk about chocolate ice cream we're not saying that all ice cream is chocolate we're saying that this particular flavor of ice cream is chocolate and this is the type of ice cream that we're talking about and i think that there's been like like a I think there's been a conflation of those two things, right? Like, I think in especially in mainstream, here's where I agree with you, as I think the term toxic masculinity and like the way you've spoken about masculinity in the mainstream has now gotten to a point where, yeah, everything masculine is labelled as bad. I think that's definitely where we've gotten to the point. I don't think it started like that, but I think mainstream narratives lose a lot of nuance very quickly because because nuance is hard, right? But simple headlines are very easy. And so I think we've just perpetuated that story to the point where now people think that that's what we're talking about when we say toxic masculinity. And the the, the phrase, in my opinion, has lost validity now because of that. Um, so, that, that's just kind of like where I wanted to to throw a bit more um, you know, context in. Um, but I, I agree with you that, that a lot of young dudes, like I I, and I speak, you know, as a younger guy, younger than you, I suppose, Um, it, like, there, there is a sense of like, what do I kind of fucking do? I'm a bit disillusioned, you know, I'm, a, I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, and I hear a lot of stories from men my age, you know, kind of like mid to late 20s, um, who do have like really poor relationships with women, but like also poor relationships with the technology, with, uh, pornography, with like just the, the, the men in their life as well. Like I had a a real shitty relationship with a lot of the men in my life. It was all, cause I'm in Australia, it was all alcohol related, you know, it was all, um. It was kind of sport related as well. It was either you go to a sporting game or you go to the pub and that was it, right? And there was no space in between. Um, and if I did, you know, have a deep and meaningful conversation with one of my mates, it was not remembered the next day because we would, you know, we'd have it when we were, you know, blind drunk. So, so there is a there is a culture, I'll say, right around like masculinity, and I, I believe that that needs to shift. I believe that it needs to change, and so I, I'm agreeing with you on that point. And, sure,
1: sure, sure, sure.
0: Um, and so I guess I'm curious around like you know you kind of mentioned men's work becoming more mainstream, and and sure, and men of kind of both demographics, that kind of 45 plus and you know 25 to to 35 age group, kind of both. I see both of those demographics of guys going to to men's groups and, and men's work. And I'm curious, how do you see that work changing men? Like, what is the shift that you perceive to be happening for them?
1: We as a society, especially let's just say in the West, where things are starting to wake up a little bit, are just realizing that men have been traumatized heavily this wasn't in the conversation, Cam, and it's it's very still new. It's a really uncomfortable conversation. So when I go back, just to, to come back quickly to the idea of toxic masculinity, I remember hearing a line, I've never seen toxic masculinity. I've seen abused boys grow up into men. And I went, oh, shit. Okay, that's a different lens, right? That's a mature, inclusive lens. And so... As society still grapples with, men have been abused, men have been traumatized, men have experienced horrible, horrible shit. There's still a strain culturally at large to accept that and go, well, that may be the root of a lot of these bad things. Addiction, violence, sexual assault, and we can list all of them. We all know them. And and I'm not in any way, excusing the behavior. I, I, my background's in Chinese medicine, and in Chinese medicine, they always talk about the root and the branch of a of an of an illness. Right, the symptom, the thing that you're experiencing, the sneezing, that's the branch. The root is, oh, you have some kind of issue elsewhere. So we can treat the sneezing all damn day, but until we get to what's really causing you, oh, you're allergic to cats and you live with a cat. Well, we got to get rid of Fluffy. Right, That's the actual cure for this. And so to answer your specific question, as more and more men awaken to the idea that, hey, this thing that happened to me or these things that happened to me as I grew up or in my life, or even as an adult, inform who I am and how I behave now. But culturally, that's still not okay. There's not a lot of space for that. Where can I seek the spaces where this healing can take place, where I can have the conversation, where I can say openly, I watched my dad beat the shit out of my mother. I watched my dad beat the shit out of my sister. I watched my mom get drunk and bring guys home who would fuck her and then beat the shit out of me. Or whatever the trauma is, That and I'm just picking some particular ones. There's still culturally the idea of like, well, tough shit for you guys. You're the patriarchy. Like, so what? Right. And we can we can list all of the statistics. There's a great Instagram page, uh, the Tin Men, if you follow him. And I've I've gotten to interview him. And he's just going stats, straight up stats, 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 stats. And they're like, well, maybe the picture that we're seeing culturally isn't quite accurate. And then he'll list some stats, and then I'll read the comments underneath, which are too fucking bad for you guys. This is your fault anyway. It's time for you to man up. There's a there's a number of um, big name psychologist pages that are putting stuff out. And the reply underneath is good. I hope they all fucking die. Good. All men are trash, right? So there's this still collective, there's still a lot of pain. And I I appreciate that the pain is most likely deserved. Like it's, it's actually accurate. Yeah. Men hurt a lot of people, men included. So to answer your question, we're seeking where we're actually going to be held. We're seeking where we're actually going to be supported. We're seeking where we're actually going to be seen for who we are, not what we are. And that's what happens in men's circles and in men's groups. So and it's going to it's going to continue and continue and continue. And as you said, there's a number of guys, cam, that I know that'll, you know, read a book on meditation, and that's that's their boom. That's their initiation. And it's like, you know what? I don't really want to go get drunk this weekend. I actually don't want to, you know, I actually had a conversation with a buddy that was really deep and meaningful. I don't want to just go back to sports stats and sexual highlights and like, what vacation are you are you on? How much money did you make? What can you bench? What kind of car do you want to drive? Which are all really amazing things to talk about. I have, you know, have those conversations too. If you're allowed to also go, Hey, how are you really like what's going on in your life? Really? Oh, what's going on in my life? Really? Like, there needs to be a mix of both. And I think men's groups are facilitating that. You know, we had our very first gathering. This was in in COVID. So it was like eight dudes in a park. This was a couple of years ago of the uncivilized nation. And the very first half hour, I think, was all like dick tattoos. That's all we talked about. And, and then we, and, and someone asked like who had the biggest deadlift at the table. And we have a dude in the, in the nation who's a deadlifting beast. So we were like, clearly he does. Now let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about divorce. Let's talk about relationships with our fathers. Let's talk about pain. Let's talk about suffering. Let's talk about masculinity. And to, I remember walking out of that meeting, like that was a really good meeting because we got to do some dude shit we got to like bro up a little bit, but then also boom, drop down and actually have a real conversation, which so many men are craving.
0: Yeah. And I, I really appreciate like you acknowledging that you, you kind of can and kind of need to do both, right? Like the, the, I've been like many, like I used to play a collegiate level sport over in America. And so very familiar with like locker room antics and, and kind of culture if you want to call it a culture but just like you know being in those spaces and then when I started doing men's work instead of attending men's groups and workshops and things like that what I quickly realized was that for that first kind of half an hour there needs to be a little bit of locker room energy right there kind of needs to be because it kind of it's it's relatively familiar for a lot of guys um it kind of puts me if I'm totally if I'm totally honest with you it puts me a little bit on edge like I had some pretty uh not I wouldn't say big T traumatic, but little T traumatic experiences in the locker room. And so like for me to be in that space, there is a bit of anxiety, you know, related to some past experiences. But for a lot of guys, there is a familiarity, like you said, a comfortability and that kind of like bantering space where you're talking about dick tattoos and how much you can bench. Uh, and you know, I've found that a lot of you know, a lot of men who hold spaces really well start off with like a physical activity start off with like doing some sort of like you know s- you know shadow boxing or something like quote-unquote very manly right very quote-unquote stereotypically masculine and then from there it kind of allows those men to open up a bit more and drop into those deeper conversations to have those more more um, you know, nuanced discussions I suppose so I-, I do appreciate you speaking into that because I think that's a-, a piece that's often missed by people who haven't um, been to a lot of men's circles or don't like aren't familiar with like the structure of it is like that's a really good way to start is to, to hold that, that kind of locker room energy for guys so that then you can drop them down from there. And it's a bit of finessing, but, um, but those who do it well, do it really well. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And
1: Cam, I I think we, I I wrote an article a while back on, uh, that I thought when I got into men's work, I wasn't going to be allowed. I was going to have to get rid of my love of, um, like classics, like race cars, you know, like I love 67 Mustangs. And I was like, oh, men's work. I'm going to have to be so evolved and mature and conscious that like, I, I can't love 67 Mustangs anymore. And then I was like, this is bullshit. If I, I, a man is in his totality, like his, we want him to express all of the energies that are alive in him. I know plenty of very conscious guys who fucking love cars, who fucking love guns, right? Who, who love classic shit. Classic in quotes of masculine shit, but then have the ability and the willingness and the desire to recognize that there's a different level of nurture and nutrition that comes from dropping away from that. Like that's, that's your appetizer. You can't live on apps your whole life. You can't live on French fries, but yeah, it's good to have some if you're hungry, but then boom, let's come down here and go, Hey, this thing happened and I haven't shared it with anybody and I want to share it with you. That's actual intimacy. And there is a, I think nutrition is the best word to, or a nourishment is the right word that comes from the depth of intimacy that, um, and, you know, we we always joke with guys who are late to a workshop and someone will be like, oh, so sorry. You know, I got stuck in traffic and I'm like, cool. Okay. First up, deepest childhood sexual trauma and your name. And they kind of stare at us I'm like, just kidding. What's your favorite car? You know, it's like, okay, good, 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 good.
0: Mm, and you know, what? I think there's something here around like that—that that kind of first 30 minutes. If we're just using that as an example, right, where you're, you are talking about cars, you are talking about like lifting and and you know, broing out with guys. I think if I reflect on it, like showing leadership in in that space is, I think, even maybe harder to do for a lot of guys than showing leadership in the like deeper. Conversations. And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of expectations around what you shouldn't and shouldn't say in that kind of banter space, right? If I reflect on my time in the locker room, you got to put women down, right? You got to talk about how many, you know, chicks you fucked, right? You got to talk about how big your dick is. You got to talk about all this, like, very, you know, we might call it quote unquote immature, right? You know, but it's very like surface level stuff. And it's, uh, braggadocio and yeah egoic right and bravado and i think you know in order to and um, i I use the term leadership there but i'll kind of give a bit of context like being a leader at least in my opinion and my kind of observation is being able to be like you know okay there's a guy who's just said some pretty you know horrible shit about gay dudes for example like probably you know that's probably not cool man like i don't think you you should be saying stuff like that But, but just like kind of like not really like you know, shutting him down and, and calling him out, but just being like, Hey man, not, not cool. Let's just like leave that out of the space. You know, I think that is a lot harder to do in those locker room spaces than it is in the deeper men's work spaces, if I'm totally honest. And I, and I think because of the societal expectations around what, you know, what goes said and what goes unsaid in that kind of locker room. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there and see what your opinion was.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's the collective is powerful. So the group that you're in is powerful, but I also think there's a real opportunity for men to just say like, Hey man, that doesn't jive with me. Hey, that's not okay. Like, and, and it's the, the, the brilliance is to just like that. Like you said it like, Hey man, we don't make those jokes here. Cool. Next. Right. So you're not shaming the guy. You're not shutting the guy down, but you are letting him know like, Hey, here's a healthy boundary. We don't do that here. And then maybe there's a conversation that happens privately after. Where again, he's not going to throw his walls up and get defensive and feel like you just called me out in front of everybody. Is there a time to call people forward in front of everybody? Absolutely. But on the spot, it's really, I think it's way more powerful to just be like, boop, nope, navigate around it. And he knows. Everybody else knows. I think that's the point that like that guy knows, okay, cool. That's not what's expected here. That's not what's allowed here. Beautiful. Uh, and and as language changes and as inclusivity changes and as what's okay and isn't okay changes, I think that's even more important because we want to enroll people, right? Especially men. We want to be enrolled. We want to be on the right side. So many guys do. Most guys do. So if someone makes a gay joke in a locker room and suddenly everybody stops and is like, you fucking asshole, how dare you do that? You're a piece of shit. We don't accept that here. You're, you've, you're like, we don't love you. We don't care for you. We're not, our hearts aren't open anymore. You're not going to get the result you want. That guy's not going to be on your team from now on. You've just isolated him as opposed to saying like, Hey man, you know what? That just doesn't work with us. I get it. It's maybe okay. In other spaces, just not cool here. Yeah. We good. All right, move on.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. That distinction, man. Cause there's like a, um, you know, (sighs) what am I trying to say here? So that there, there's room to fail. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's, you know, as long as there's a, um, it's in good faith and you're, you're, you're kind of trying and you're showing up, like you can get things wrong, you know, and that's okay. It's okay to get things wrong. I think there needs to be a bit more leniency or permission, I suppose, in, in like certain spaces as well. Like, like, you know, in the mainstream, there's like not a lot of that permission, right? For guys to get shit wrong, you know, like I think that that's definitely a space where there could be some more leniency and some more permission given to be like, hey, I'm trying here. You know, like there's been times where I've I've like I use my social media as an experience. So I've spoken about feminism a couple of times on my social media. I don't really do it too much anymore, but when I was like slow I was still studying at university. So I was like, you know, very university heady, like, oh, I've got a take on feminism that's gonna be, you know, great. And and so I, you know, kind of spoke about it. I was like, hey, I'm just kind of speaking from this experience and like here's what I kind of think. And um and people jumped me, you know, they were like, this is fucking wrong. This is... and I was like, well, I'm just I'm learning, you know, like I'm and that and that's what I try and like if I think about what I try and do now on social media it's like I try and be as upfront with like, hey, I'm learning as much as possible. I kind of lead with that. Like I don't have all the answers. I'm kind of doing my best here. Like, and I almost in a way try to mitigate that like people jumping because I kind of know. How social media works. I know how kind of like the the algorithm works. People want to get outraged. And so if I can start off by saying like, hey, I'm in a learning space here. I'm trying to figure this out. Like I don't really have all the answers. Here's what I've kind of read. Here's what I understand. You know, happy to learn. If it's in good faith and you're you're here to educate me, go ahead, you know. Um, but if it's if you're just gonna like jump on it and, you know, and be aggressive and hostile about it, then like I'm what, you, you're you going to lose me I'm not going to be enrolled in that learning that you're trying to you might have something some really good points and stuff that's like really valuable for me to learn but if it's like you know if it's coming at me hot and fast and I'm you know already a little bit tender I'm not going to be super receptive to it so I do think like that kind of learning experience or that enrolling experience is you know, you've got to be coming at it from good faith firstly the person who's like wanting to be enrolled and I, I you know a lot of guys are but there are also some bad faith actors out there for sure and then i also think like on the other end of the spectrum as well there's got to be like a cool you can learn like you'll make mistakes we're gonna you know we'll, we'll ping you on the mistakes but like it's not gonna be a big deal but you know just make sure you're putting in effort afterwards and i think like that is a much more collaborative approach and uh i, I would say conducive approach but i don't know i, I just wanted to to reflect on that because i do definitely agree. Yeah, with I you.
1: agree with you agree with you completely
0: Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So, if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah, We kind of haven't mentioned it, but there's kind of this um, shift in like what masculinity kind of means, right? At least if I speak personally, there's been a shift in what masculinity means for me. And we spoke about, you know, why I spoke a bit before about like, you know, toxic masculinity is like a version of masculinity, right? And like there are healthy versions of masculinity. And, And so within that is the, assumption the the implication that like there are multiple different masculinities and that's the view that i hold that masculinity doesn't exist singularly there isn't like a one masculinity it's that there are multiple masculinities and that we kind of feel into the ones that work best for us and maybe we slip a little bit into this version of it maybe we slip a bit into that version yada 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 um but i'm just curious to know around like you know the 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 Observation around masculinity that you have, and maybe the shifting that you're seeing, or the—I don't know if there's a redefining that's happening in the in the work that you're seeing with men, or the way that men are kind of like showing up in the world. I don't know if there's anything you you've got um, an observation around the definition of masculinity.
1: Yeah, it's it's a loaded word, man. It really just is because masculinity is one of the only things that require like if we if we put it up against femininity, masculinity requires doing. It requires a certain way of doing like, Hey, you have to do things. You have to do a, you have to not just be a certain way, right? Like we don't, you ever use the words with women. You're not a real woman. If she hasn't, you know, and, and this is culturally, like we say to men, like, Oh, you're not a real man. You don't have a job. You still live at home. Not a real man. Oh, you walked away from that relationship. You're not a real man. Oh, you didn't do X, Y, and Z. You're not a real man. But we don't really say that with women. So masculinity is something that has to be earned, thus why it can be taken away Uh, or in quote, like with emasculation. It was really interesting. My first time I heard Esther Perel, if you know her, brilliant, brilliant therapist, right? Say there's no word in the female for emasculate. There's also no word in the female for loser. I remember sitting like she was on the stage and I just got chills when I heard that. And yes, there are certain words for women that we don't have for men. Same, same, just different idea, right? So my idea of masculinity, people ask me all the time, like, is an uncivilized man X? Is an uncivilized man Y? Is an uncivilized man A, B, C, D, E? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And, and first of all, I created the idea. And so, yes, like I'm the owner of the idea, but yet I don't care. What, what it is to me is it's examined. That's really the, the important part of it. And I I break uncivilized masculinity down into the primal and the divine, which is another way of saying what's kind of in your blood, what's in your bones as a man. I remember the first time I read um, Jack Donovan's book, The Way of Men. And he said, This is what masculinity is. Imagine a group of guys in like a village, and the village gets attacked. What innately men will do to go to the, the perimeter, to protect, to die right? To, to, to be, to lead, to, to take care of people, like that's masculinity. And, and I love Jack. I've talked with him a number of times, but I remember reading that and being like, it's missing something. To me, it's still missing something. And what it was missing was what happens after the battle? What happens when I go, hey man, hey Cam, I saw you kill those four guys. That was awesome. But you seem kind of fucked up over it. Are you okay? You're not okay good. I wouldn't be okay either if I killed four guys. So let's actually help you process through that and talk through that and, and let you know that as a village, we're still really grateful for you. And and we can hold you in the nightmares and we can help you release the trauma and we can like kind of hold just like that, like hold you. And I was like, that's what I feel like is missing. That's why I threw in like, Hey, it's, it's primal. Yes. And I've, I've, I've asked this in a number of workshops, co-ed workshops, Cam. I'm like, here's the deal. Right now in this house, there's 30 of us. There's 15 men, 15 women, and there's 10 children downstairs. We hear three gunshots outside, bang on the door, and someone yells, let me in. I'm going to fucking kill you. Who's going where? I just got chills. And 99% of the time, it's the guys who are like, I'm going to the fucking door. And it's the women who say, like, I'm going downstairs to take care of the kids. Now we can say that's misogynistic, that's old school thinking, that's the patriarchy, that's all of this stuff that, that is quote negative. Or we can say we have some innate things within us that are different. Now that's the primal. But again, w- what else is there? We're not just like, I-, I don't know about where you live, but like, I don't have to hunt lions. Like people ain't breaking into my house. Uh, Like I'm not climbing trees to get food. Like I have internet, there's Amazon, like I'm pretty well taken care of here in Denver. So something else has to come about, which to me, then I use the term divine, but it really is a connection to consciousness. It's a connection to feeling. It's a connection to relationship. It's a connection to intimacy. It's a connection to my heart which I don't really need to have access to if a group of people are trying to break into my house to kill my family. But I do need to have access to to live in a world of relationship, to be in relationship with my partner, to be a good father, to take care of my parents, to give a flying fuck about the planet, right? To actually realize that, huh, the outdated software, this ain't the 30s anymore. It ain't the 1800s anymore. It's not the thousands anymore. It's 2023. The requirements on me as a man have changed. Now I can go stand outside with a spear and and people are just going to kind of laugh at me. And it's also not going to be effective when my partner comes home and says like, Hey, I'm really upset about this thing. And I don't have the skill or the acuity to attune to her and go, actually, you don't need me to protect you from lions because we live in Denver. What you need me right now is to hold space for you. Well, you alchemize and work through your, your emotions. That to me, all of that whole spectrum cam is masculinity. Now, where a guy falls on that naturally or through conditioning, it's pretty hard to tell like nature versus nurture is an old argument that I don't think we'll clear up here on this call, but most guys fall somewhere naturally in that spectrum, more conscious, more emotional, more artistic, more creative, more primal, more aggressive, more strength-based, more 3D-based, right? Depending on a number of things, to me, it's still masculinity. And the argument of like, well does a guy with long hair? is he masculine? Just that's, take the, that fucking argument and throw it out the window. Like is he attuned and aware of who he is? Does he know why he's here? Is he in integrity with himself, with his heart, with his word, with his family, with his people? Does he understand his land? Does he understand what's hurt him and how that's, that's informing his life? Like all of that to me is the full spectrum of masculinity. And what feels like is being called for now is a full spectrum masculinity. There's a big pull. I don't know if you've noticed it, like back to traditional ideas. There's a lot of big pages that are just like, Hey, Jesus, and I have nothing against Jesus, but like Jesus said, the man works, the woman's in the kitchen, raise it. You're here to, and, and there's like flocks of people are, are showing up there because it's what you said in the beginning. There's no nuance. It's easy. Right. And there's big, big pushes for men just to be these like spiritual gurus walking the planet with no aggression, no anger, no dick, no, 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 any, just, just open hearted poets, and there's a big pull to that. And a lot of guys are like, oh, man, that's perfect. I don't have to deal with the fact that I have aggression. Just like the guys on the other side, like, I don't have to deal with the fact that I have emotion. So long story or long answer, again, there's a huge spectrum. And if a guy can look me in the eye and say, I've done the work, I know who I am. Not like, well, my parents were this way and my community is this way. And by the way, I'm Italian, so I'm this way. Right? But like, are you really? Is that how you actually want to express yourself in the world as a man? If I don't care where on the spectrum a guy lies, if he can say, "Yeah, I've I've sat with this, I've contemplated it, I've felt into it, I've realized that like a little bit of my t little t or big t trauma has to inform that it has to, family of origin stuff has to inform that geography has to inform that, and God, these books I read in my twenties, this these books the class I took at university. This girl I dated who opened me up to this idea, man, that's also informing me. And so this is how I want to present myself. That's what I think is the masculinity that's being called for.
0: Yeah, beautiful, bro. And I I, I do appreciate the idea of masculinity being a spectrum and you kind of figuring out, you know, and the examined is a really beautiful word. I like the idea of like, you know, because I often think like a lot of guys maybe haven't asked that question what is masculinity or what does masculinity mean for me they they are as you kind of shared maybe going well this is what my dad did well this is what these guys my my you know my older brother did or this is what like these guys who i follow online Did Right. And this is what they say masculinity is. I'm just going to do that because it is easy. Right. They offering you the solution to this idea of like, well, who am I as a man? What do I do as a man? Okay, great. This person says I need to clean my room and do the shit. And it's like, okay, I'll just do that then. And like, yeah, cool. There's some, there's, and then, you know, and I don't want to completely throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Like I do think there is, there is some, some validity in that of people being like, great, cool. Uh, they're giving me some suggestions to do. I'm going to go and do those things. But I think at some point you've got to get to that like examination piece of being like, all right, well, what does it mean for me? All right. What is, what is, what do I understand masculinity as? Like, how do I want to express and show up and be a man in the world? And, and I, I really like that idea of, of, yeah, exploring that full spectrum. And, you know, I, I probably don't personally sit towards the primal end of the spectrum i probably do sit a bit more up towards the creative expressive end and and now i've been to those spaces where i've had an opportunity to explore that primal you know version of myself and i was like great cool it's there i've done it doesn't really land too well with me that's not how i want to show up in the world and so um and and so i don't and i've had the privilege to be able to do that right and like i think that's what a lot of guys maybe don't necessarily have is the opportunity to get to explore that whole space which is again if we circle back to why men's work is really valuable is because it does give that opportunity to explore i feel like um and there was something else in that i wanted to, to speak into as well um but it just eludes me right now uh so there was the last thing which was was you were speaking about anger right and aggression and um guys maybe like checking out of that and I definitely noticed that, right? It's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's bad. We kind of know anger, aggression is bad. That's the message we've received and that we don't engage with it. And so, I'm really curious, I suppose, like how can we help men healthily engage with their anger and their aggression, move through it, deal with it, process it so that they aren't acting upon it in violent or unhealthy ways?
1: This is such an important topic, Cam.
0: Uh, I have a,
1: th- a three-month series coming out in a month or so called "Behind the Masks of Men," and I sat down with two of my workshop co-teachers, a man named Dewey Freeman, who's in his seventies, who has taught more therapists to be therapists than probably any other human in Colorado. Like he's he's been like he's. He's got 80,000 hours with clients. Like, that is a metric fuck ton of hours with clients. He's one. The other guy is a a guy named Michael Gay, who's also a therapist who did years and years of wilderness therapy. And we teach a live five day event called the Men's Initiation. And I remember we sat down after one and went, you know what? There's some topics that we're not diving into. Because, in the course of five days, we have so we have you know thirty guys that we have to do all this stuff with. And we're like, yeah, let's let's create a series, and what are the what are the first three topics that we want to go deep in? And what do you think the first one was? Anger. I was like, we have to talk about this. Next was relationship, and the third is sex. But the first one, before you get to relationship and before you get to the bedroom, is anger. Anger and aggression, first, I think we need to separate are two different things very different things. One of which creates trust, creates relationship, and is a very natural part of the human experience in anger. The other, aggression, does not create trust, does not create connection, does not create relationship. Is it part of the human experience? Definitely. But it's often a response rather than something that's coming forward. So so how do guys, first of all, you have to realize that anger in itself isn't bad. Anger, when it's clean, and here's, here's a really nuanced idea, anger that comes from my stomach, like, oh, fuck, I can't believe my partner just said that, but actually runs through my heart, and I keep my heart open, and then hits my mouth and comes out, will sound a lot like, fuck, that just made me so angry. I'm so angry right now but I'm still in relationship with her. I still care about her. I still give a shit about her, but I've I've got this heat in my belly that needs to come out. Now that same anger, if it takes, starts in my stomach, it skips my heart and it comes out my mouth. It's going to be like, I can't fucking believe you said that. Who the fuck are you to talk to me that way? Do you see the difference? One is just, one is real. It's clean. It's trustable. It's human. Like, show me someone who doesn't get angry, and I'll show you someone with very deep-seated suppressed issues. Show me someone who's aggressive, and I'll show you someone who's probably very terrified of their heart, or has been abused, or traumatized, or hasn't learned the difference between the two. Does what I just said make sense before we go on?
0: Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Okay. There's a, um, you know, a piece in there which is, I think, especially in relationship, is like, you know, um, and I've spoken to a lot of women, especially because I do a lot of like couple sexuality related work is like there's a, a a a learning or like maybe not learning, but like a trusting that like his anger isn't going to lead to aggression. Right. And so I think within there, there has to be a period of time of like him demonstrating that, that like he can get angry and it's not going to lead to aggression or it's not going to lead to you know something else a lot of guys do which they maybe don't recognize is withdraw when they get angry as well right they get angry and they'll disconnect right and so i think for that dyadic kind of like communication to to happen really healthily there's a period of time where like he's got to demonstrate like wow i can get angry and i can verbalize it but i'm not gonna get hostile or get violent or get aggressive or withdraw or these other things that can happen um because i think there's been a lot of experiences of women who have had that happen to them right it's like a guy said i'm angry now and then it's turned into something else and so there's a
1: hole in the wall or they yeah, it, it, it yeah. takes
0: a while right like it's 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 not something that overnight you you get um, and that's I speak from experience as well like my partner and I anger is like a big thing that I have had to work on that I still have to work on now now that I've got a son um who's you know almost two years old and a toddler uh and you know causing havoc like that's bringing up different types of anger right and so like it's a, an ongoing kind of process of learning so I just wanted to throw that in there because I feel like that's an important piece as well.
1: It's hugely important. And for guys who are struggling to understand the difference, anger is what we just said. I'm angry. I'm having a feeling. I'm expressing that feeling. Aggression is the hole that got punched in the wall. Aggression is the thing that got thrown. And and this is a hard point to articulate, but aggression is the thing that broke the relational contact. We are no longer in relationship you and I, I've just punched a hole in the wall. We aren't in relationship. You are in survival and protection, and I am out of control. So now for men specifically, especially, I love the point that you said so many men withdraw, because I also have to learn how to be in relationship with myself all the way through my anger period of expression. So if I don't know I'm like, man, I feel the heat, normally what happens now, I feel heat in my belly, I kind of black out, and then there's a hole in the wall. And then I'm fucking apologizing and promising I'll never do it again. Until I learn that like, hey, I got this. I can feel it rising. I know where it is. I can talk about it, which is really important, guys, listen to this. I can verbalize it. I can say, it's getting. I'm getting angrier. I'm getting angrier. I'm getting angrier. That's so much different than I'm fine. I said I was fucking fine. Now there's a hole in the wall. Or my neck is bright red. My face is bright red. And the person I'm talking to is, I can't trust you because you are giving me every cue non verbally that you are furious. And yet the words coming out of your mouth are that you're you're not angry. So you're out of integrity. Right. So relationship is, I'm sorry, anger is a dance for guys. One, it's one of the few emotions that culturally we allow. We don't shame guys for getting angry. We're not like, oh, you got angry, you pussy, right? But like, if you cry or grieve or have sadness, we'll culturally, we'll shame you. Like, you're not a real man. We've never said like, he got so angry, he wasn't a real man, right? I've never heard that in my 47 years on earth, but I have heard the other other side. So guys have to learn too, that when you can actually stay in relationship with whatever the emotion is, you don't disconnect, your partner doesn't disconnect which also means you have to have a skillful partner. Like if you say, "Hey, I'm really angry," and then your partner runs away or starts throwing things at you or shames you for it, that'll kill the, that will disconnect you from being in relationship. And I'm not saying you break up. I mean energetically you're not in the in contact anymore. Right? So these are really big pieces. But I would also invite every man to really st- to again, what was the word we used? Be contemplative, to examine your relationship to anger. Answer this question or finish this sentence. When I get angry, I, right? I what? I explode. I shut down. I, when I, where I learned to do this was my role models growing up, when they got angry, I felt like this is where this stuff is, is patterned into us. I grew up in a very angry house. It was the one emotion that was allowed in my house. So it took me a long time to be in contact, in relationship with someone, man, woman, or otherwise, who got angry without me just shutting down completely, Cam. Without me turning into like a three-year-old, even though I was a 42-year-old ex-professional MMA fighter. It was like, whoop, terror. Terror. Right. It took me a while to actually learn to be with anger, let alone my own anger. So yeah, it's a beautiful dance to play. It's a beautiful thing to play with. And it's vital for men to have a relationship with their anger. Because if you don't, how can you ask your partner to? And or your friend to, or society to?
0: Mm. I appreciate that, man. And and you know, you you use the word dancing with that anger. And um, use that that phrase twice. And that's actually rem- reminded me of what I wanted to speak to you about previously when I lost my train of thought. But I, I feel like it's related um, because I, I think a lot of men's work, as you kind of beautifully shared, like is, is about navigating anger, right? Like I've been to a lot of like primal screaming things. I've been to a lot of like, uh, you know... B- workshops where you know the brothers will kind of hold you and you try to kind of bust out of them and like tapping into anger in like healthy ways. And so um so I think there is a, a relationship here of like, okay, you know, men's work can be really helpful for like learning about anger and figuring out like how to navigate it. um But here's where I'll I'll circle it back around to to um what a friend of mine said um on the podcast before. And I think you'll you'll resonate with this because it alludes to what you're talking about with regards to men going out and and you know fighting the battles and then coming back. He said to me, um, if you can't dance after the war, then what the fuck are you fighting for? And I, um, and I love that. His name's Jacob O'Neill. He's been on the podcast and I, I credit him every time I say that because I love that I like little gigant. poetic phrase. Um, yeah. But I feel like that is, and he, when we had a conversation, sorry, when we had a conversation, he, um, he and I identified like there's a, a, a missing piece in men's work that we see, which is the, the dancing right which is like after you've done the hectic anger releasing cathartic you know expressive whatever exercises like where's the where's the opportunity to dance like a lot of men's work is like the hustle and the, not the hustle but maybe like the doing the hard work right grinding like god you've got to do like, it's, plunge, the sit yes. the ups <laughs> totally the burpees. yeah 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 and it's yeah. like very like masculine and hard right and it's like where where's the opportunity after that right after the war so to speak to do the more expressive creative opportunities like i've I'd, I'd, I'd love to see some like art therapy thrown into men's works groups and every now and again or like some dancing stuff you know something where there is an opportunity to tap into some pleasure to tap into some like sensuality to, to tap into like some movement um because i think like there's a real reluctance for men to do that right there's a real resistance for men to do the sensual stuff to do the quote-unquote feminine stuff right to to do the stuff after the war feel very comfortable like fuck yeah i can get real hard and scream and do that primal shit it's like that maybe is a little bit easier for a lot of guys to tap into but then afterwards when there's that that tenderness and that softness i think there's a there's an uncomfortability for a lot of men there so i just wanted to throw that in there and just give jacob credit because i love that phrase
1: yeah, I love it. You know, my my first initiation into this work was with a man named Robert Masters. And at his workshops, which would be multi-day small group, in between some of the sessions, he would have us dance. And I remember the first time being like, I'm sorry, bro. What what are we doing here? And and then by the end actually feeling quite comfortable with it. Or in between sessions, he would also have us sometimes write poetry. And I remember thinking like, what is he doing? And then now realize, like, oh, yeah, you're right. There needs to be this the 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 up and down swing or the back and forth with, yeah, I just fucking went for it. We went to battle. And then,, oh, I, I, now I can lean back and feel my heart again, Tap back in. That's what I feel like's missing, cam. Like you nailed it. Imagine you know, i've I've said for a number of years, imagine if every man on the planet was sober for a year. What would change? Right? What would first of all, what would change immensely? And I'm not a teacher. I don't like my platform isn't about sobriety. But what if guys had to deal with their stuff? Right now, imagine if at the end of every work week, like I grew up in Japan, in the start of every workday, people are doing qigong, they're stretching, they're doing exercises, and what do you know? They have a healthy work day. Like imagine if every Friday or once a month, every guy on the planet got put into a small group. And it was like, Hey man, we're going to do, we're going to actually do a little bit of men's work. And then afterwards for 30 minutes, we're going to celebrate life again. Cause I think what what's missing with the dance is we got to celebrate sometimes. It's so easy. You know, every Friday in, in my group, we ask the guys, what are your wins and your lessons? And you know, which, which one of these is going to be the hardest one for you to come up with the wins. and And we say like, we don't care how small because so many of you are like here's the lessons here's the 72 ways that I fucked up and I wasn't a good man this week. And you're like, "Well, wait a minute. You hit a home run. Yeah, 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 but that's not important. Like that's that's not the thing." So I think yeah, you're hitting on something really important of culturally. Your people, my people. Like where's the celebration? I get right now there's there's some there's not a lot to celebrate or it may take some digging, you know, post-COVID and and our American political situation uh, to, to find something to celebrate, but man, celebrate being alive
0: yeah totally man i i love the idea of doing some uh you know some work before work right So you know, i don't i don't like to call it work, but you know if you're doing some like qigong or some stretching or some breathing, just some play before work right there's more the room for more play is like my big that 's been my big learning the last year having a son's been like, how can I play more like how can I just bring that? more into my life personally but also for him for my partner uh and just explore like kind of that joy through play um and that's been a big uh it's been uncomfortable i'll say yeah i'll be honest it's been been tough to do uh because i don't play a lot and i and i have reluctance to it um Look, Trevor, I'm mindful of time, brother. And just to close us down for the last kind of like two, three minutes, I was wondering if there's any uh, little pieces of of advice, little nuggets of wisdom that you like to share with men. And, you know, just being mindful of the men that are listening, probably age between 25, 35. Um, you know, kind of younger guys, maybe my my age. Um, you know, you've got a bit of more life wisdom, a bit of life experience than I do. So I'd be curious to know if there's any like little parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, if, like, and I, I hate to start with this, one, but I always do. If you can stay out of credit card debt, like that, that'll just fuck you up for a couple years. Uh, do that. To like follow your passion, if especially for younger guys, like I spent my twenties, Cam, in very serious professions, right? Like trying to be a CEO, working all the time, uh, very very serious professions, and I wish I had explored more. I wish adventure had been something that I looked out for, like looked into. And and I wish I had the wisdom to say, hey, you know what? 32, 34. Yeah. I think I need to stop bouncing around the planet and getting shitty jobs because it lets me surf or like sleeping in the back of the jujitsu school because I get to train every day. Like, I wish I, someone had said, hey, you get to do this in your twenties. Take the time to see the world. If you have the opportunity and if you have the finances, if you have it, Uh, that's, that's a really big thing. And the last thing I think is very important for men, and it's often missed, and that is figure out what your needs are specifically as a man. Now, I say this to a lot of guys, and they're like, hey, man, I I just have human needs. I don't even like, I can't even claim that. I'm like, cool, I have human needs too. I need food, I need water, I need shelter, and I need need love. I need connection in some way. But as a man, I know my operating system. I need jujitsu. I need to like rub up against, I need someone trying to choke me twice a week or I don't function well. I need surf. I need it. I know what happens to my life when I'm not around it, right? I need to write personally. I need to be writing. If I'm not writing every day, drinking looks real appealing. Those specific three things are like the big ways I know what I need as a man. Now in my twenties, I didn't think any of that was real. And I struggled a lot. I drank a lot. I smoked a lot of dope. I was lost. I was unhappy. I was depressed. Even in my early 30s, when I became more successful, still didn't realize like, oh, when these key elements are import- are in place, I operate better as a man and like really own that. Yes, you have to have to take care of your human needs. And if once you do have the opportunity to shift out of survival mode, you can pay your rent, there's food in the fridge, you're healthy, et cetera. Really look into what makes me work as a man. And the last piece I'll leave, especially for young men, as you touched on it, there's a lot of information coming at you right now that's black or white. X Men do X. Real men, X. All, all men, X. Hey, if you want to be a man, do this. I'm going to tell you guys something that that's lazy. It's easy and it's lazy. So be willing to dance in the nuance. Be willing to spend some time in the gray. Be willing to say, okay, that's cool. You can say that, but that doesn't really feel into how I want to live. And then be unapologetic about how you want to express yourself in the world as a man, especially if it's in service to other people. I'll leave you with that.
0: Thanks very much, man. And thank you for sitting down and just having a chat with me, brother. It's been really lovely. My pleasure. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men's Sex and Pleasure Podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You will have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a youtube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast so like i said if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron thank you